The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place to eavesdrop and participate in conversations about making choices about how you spend your time, who you surround yourself with, and figuring out what you want to be known for. This is a place to talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and finding your way to be known for something. Let's talk about thoughtful collaborations, or the subtitle, How to Not Hate the People You Work With. Preach! I'm really, this is one of the C words that I'm starting to hate. It's up there with coach and consultant and content. There are words that make me cringe. We can talk more about that later. But collaboration has really followed in the footsteps of the word authenticity, which I think was 2019's hot word. So let's talk a little bit about that. In today's episode, Liz and I are going to discuss collaborations when we get crunchy feelings or those bad feelings that we don't want and when we get goosebumps in the good way. We are going to give you three questions to answer when considering collaborating with others. And we are going to offer some specific language to help you turn down collaborations that you don't want to be part of or aren't for you without being an asshole. Nice. You can say no and not be a douchebag. So, welcome. That's the poll quote for this episode. Thank you. You can say no without being a douchebag. Yeah, let's make that a tweetable. Sure. Okay. If you have been on the internet lately or on any social media, chances are that you have come across the language or the hashtag community over competition. Maybe you are a solopreneur, a business owner with a team, or you have a friend, sibling, or colleague that runs their own business. In which case, you know the importance of having your people. You might be somebody else's person and you know about the power of putting your heads together. With community comes collaboration. People want to work together and share with a wider audience. We wanna tap into each other's customer bases and combine skill sets. So in a space when people are getting together to collaborate, how do you know if a collaboration is the right way to go or if it's the right fit? Community is great if it is thoughtful and meaningful for the people who are creating the community and are part of it. Similarly, collaboration is great if it's the right fit and the purpose of the collaboration is clear. Mm -hmm. I really believe that the collaborations we are part of can be game changers. There is a lot of positive energy that comes from putting multiple brains together to come up with an idea, host an event, collaborate on a workshop, especially for solopreneurs or people who are used to working by themselves who are used to being in their own heads and are looking at expanding to a new industry, client base. This is when collaboration seems like a great idea. That is, until you realize that a collaboration can also mean that you have two people doing lots of work for no money. Or one person doing a lot more work than the other person. Yes. We've both been that person. Yep. Yeah. Similar to how I fell into attending networking events far too many evenings a week for the first year of my business with the promise of meeting all these wonderful people, I have also fallen into saying yes when someone says, hey, we should do a collaboration, thinking that two is always better than one. I am not doing this anymore. Two is not always better than one. I want to talk about collaborations that suck 
because I have been part of them. And more recently, I have seen them implode, explode in front of my eyes that have destroyed friendships, destroyed working relationships, and made for some pretty crunchy feelings. So for me, collaborations suck when there isn't a clear purpose or goal. When meetings become friend time or joke time instead of productive time. Mm. In which case, if you want to hang out with someone, just hang out with them. You don't have to do it under this veil of a collaboration. I think just to jump in here, I think you and I are really good at doing this properly. We will have meetings that are business meetings mm-hmm. where we're talking about Amanda Wagner stuff. But we're friends, so we think of stuff that we want to talk about later. Correct. So we have like an ongoing list, either a physical list or a list in our minds. Yeah. That is for friend time. We're very focused on the task at hand and making this collaboration the best that it can be. Totally. That's why the parking lot exists. Yeah. Where oftentimes when I'm with people, business or not, I will have a side post-it of like, oh, something came to mind, let me write it down so I don't forget it, but this is not the time for it. Yes. Collaborations also suck for me when it becomes a like, hey, this would be really cool. We should do this in our spare time. But guess what? We don't have a ton of spare time. So we don't actually carve out time and it just falls to the wayside. And then both parties are left thinking, are we doing this? Are we not doing it? Maybe this person will forget. And finally, my biggest pet peeve around collaborations is that when there's no clear discussion on what you're trying to achieve. So for example, one person wants to access the other's network and grow a wider audience, and the other person is looking for profit from ticket sales. There are a lot of assumptions that can be made when we start with, hey, let's do a collaboration, this would be cool. So Liz, when do collaborations suck for you? Uh, A couple of things come to mind for me. One of the big things that suck for me in a collaboration is when there isn't clear communication. Mm -hmm. So I am a communicator. This is what I do for a living. So determining where messages will be shared, whether that's in email, whether that's in Slack, Mm -hmm. whether you have a group text with the people you're collaborating with, whatever that is, choose a channel and stick with it. Yep have timely messages. I hate a 10 p.m. Slack message. I can't. The rage Mm. I feel when I get one of those messages is unparalleled. When Liz gets a 10 p.m. Slack message, I get a 10 p.m. text (laughs) on friend time. It's like, can you believe it? Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, so really being respectful of people's time and being really clear where the communication will be and being very clear on what the communication is. So really determining what is important stuff that needs to be shared Mm -hmm. amongst the group or with that partner and kind of sticking with those messages and making sure that that doesn't get blurred. This is an interesting side note into boundaries because you and I have had to have this conversation because we started as work colleagues and it became a friendship so we are really clear with like text is for friend time and if it is about business we use email Mm -hmm. if it happens that we send a, a business text it usually comes with a shop talk for a quick second yeah. or I will move this to email, but want to tell you this one thing right away. Yep. So it really has to do with boundaries. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing that makes collaboration suck for me, and I know, A.W., you mentioned this word earlier in the episode, is when there's a lack of authenticity. So, like, take a drink for using that word. Yeah. But I'm thinking from the digital space, so I think of a collaboration between a business and a quote-unquote influencer. So what that collaboration looks like and really identifying the right people you want to work with and making sure that they are true in their brand and that your brands align with each other. Right. There's not, like, this fake persona to achieve a goal just because the money's good or the exposure is good. So really identifying what that authenticity is and making sure that it's a true partnership between the two parties Mm -hmm. um, is something that... You know, you see those partnerships on Instagram all of the time where I'll follow an influencer and they'll have a partnership and it's like, this doesn't make any sense for what this person's brand is. They must have been paid a hell of a lot of money to hawk this stupid sporting good item when they are not a sporty brand at all or that sort of thing, you know? So really determining the authenticity and making sure that the collaboration makes sense for all of the parties involved. I hate watch some influencers, Mm -hmm. as you know, which is not the most productive behavior, Mm -hmm. but whatever. I'm still a human being. Yeah. And nothing infuriates me. Like when I see an influencer who, for example, I've never seen go to McDonald's and all of a sudden three times a day, they're talking about the new feature at McDonald's. Yeah. And I know there's hashtag ad. I know there's hashtag sponsored. I get it. I'm a smart person. But it's not a collaboration that makes sense. You've never talked about this thing before, but all of a sudden McDonald's is throwing french fries at you, alternatively dollars, and you're really into it for that short period of time. It's very fascinating to see all of a sudden this person doesn't love Triscuits as much as they loved them six weeks ago. Oh, that contract must have ended. Yes, exactly. And it, it becomes very clear to me, and I mean, I'm looking at this from like an ad spend digital kind of perspective when I'm scrolling on my Instagram feed, but if I all of a sudden see this partnership and it doesn't make any sense to me, all I see is dollar signs. I'm not, I'm not interested in that influencer's perspective on this brand because I don't view it as authentic because it doesn't align with their values that I've seen previously. Uh, I have one more thing. Go for it. Collaborations suck for me when the workload isn't clear. Amen, sister. Tell so, me more. <laughs> so before on this podcast, we've talked about the bar of resentment. Yes, Coach Jenny, that is her language. It is not ours, but we take it and we run with it. It's, it's a great concept, and I think it's really something to consider when you're stepping into a collaboration with someone, mm-hmm. determining who's going to do what. Maybe it's not a 50-50 sort of collaboration. Maybe it's a 70-30. Who knows? I don't know what the project is. I don't know what the outcomes are. I don't know what the purpose or the goal is. But whoever is in that collaboration needs to be aware of what the work is, what the expectations are, so no one's pissed off when it comes to deadline and someone's been working way harder. Like, it feels to me when I talk about this like... A group project back in college. I was just going to say, good news. We have 
no grudges towards people in high school who didn't do shit and we did it all. This feels like my local government class that I took back in 2009 and I was in a group and like did all of the work, you know, like I I feel that all over again. Yeah, there was someone in my high school group when I was perhaps high strung, as is my resting state, who when I did all the work, she told me to take a yoga breath. Oh, that did not go well. (laughs) I will not name her, but I will tell you that many years later, I am still upset with you, initials SW. (laughs) So it's really, really important to me when I'm stepping into a collaboration that the workload is very clear and the division of duties is really set out. So we stay above the bar of resentment. Exactly. And what I love that you hit on here is this, if people can't tell why the collaboration exists, have you as the collaborators had that conversation? Mm-hmm. If I can't go from the outside go, this makes sense for X, Y, Z reason, have you thought about it? Have you communicated it to your audience? With my other brand, The Compliment, I will work with brands on creating five-star reviews. And when we write our dream star reviews, I say, what do you want other people to say about you? If you opened up Yelp or Google and saw a review, what would give you goosebumps? What would make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? And let's write that out. And then we can reverse engineer the type of experience we want to create. I feel the same way about collaborations. When people see that you are collaborating for a workshop, an event, a speaker series, whatever it is, Somebody should go, oh, they're working together. This makes sense. Totally. This is logical. Or if it isn't, what is the marketing strategy that explains how it makes sense? Because humans are smart. We can see through bullshit. When people are like, oh, I want to tap into your audience and you want to tap into mine. Let's collaborate. And that's where you get two people doing twice as much work and making no money because people don't get it and they don't want to invest. They don't want to come to your event. They don't want to buy your e-course because we can't get it. So I think this is really interesting in a digital space, but also in a, in real life space, which is my comfort zone and where I'm used to. I often think about this podcast one day, if somebody out there is like, hey, do you want to do a collaboration? Can we sponsor your podcast? We love money. Yes. Money sounds great. Confirmed. But what is meaningful to our brand? I'm going to be honest. I don't love a Trisket. Mm. I just don't like the texture. Mm. It's too many like weedy bits. You don't eat cheese though. Correct. A cheese slice with Trisket is the ultimate combo. A cheese slice? Like, like janky, like craft no, cheese no, slice? No, no, like, no. A slice of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Liz is looking at me like I'm a monster. Isn't a cheese slice and a slice of cheese the same thing? No. Okay. You Coming from the person who doesn't eat them, I feel like this Dear is... Dear Kraft, this is not the podcast for you to sponsor. <laughs> anyway. Kraft Singles. Like yeah. the cheese slice in the plastic. Yeah, but when I slice cheese, exactly. isn't it a cheese slice? It's a slice of cheese. Okay. Semantics, my Anyway, friends. continue. <laughs> if we are to look for sponsorships, we have already written out some of our things that are above the bar of resentment. Yeah. 
I do not want anybody to listen to this podcast and go, why the fuck is Amanda talking about Tide laundry soap? I've never mentioned Tide laundry soap ever before. No, that doesn't align with our values. It doesn't align. When we're thinking about collaborations, we come back to the idea of what is thoughtful and what is meaningful. So similarly to how I spent my first year of business in far too many networking events, Alternatively, at home, thinking about all the events I was missing out on and wondering if I missed my perfect client, I have slowly wised up and learned how valuable my time is. And what that means is that if I'm going to collaborate with somebody, I need to know what the purpose is. So if you're like me when you're in a networking space and you know that the goal is to meet new people, learn about others, and make thoughtful connections, you know that it's a slippery slope to, we should do a collaboration. More so, when you're on the spot, it feels rude or unkind to say, no, thank you. So the three questions that I consider before collaborating with anybody else is, number one, what is the purpose of the collaboration? Or in different language, what do you each hope to get from working together? What is the overall goal? Number two, what are you able to achieve by working together that you can't do alone? I come back to this idea of what makes two better than one? And that third question is, what would make this a successful collaboration for each person involved? Or some of my favorite language, is the juice worth the squeeze? All the work that you're putting in is your output going to deliver what you need. So I say, With many things, including networking events and collaborations, let's Simon Sinek this. Let's start with why. The what is largely irrelevant. The how comes later. But slow down that conversation and think, why are we actually collaborating? And especially if you are somebody who asks this question, What can you add to the conversation that explains why this collaboration might be a good idea? Alternatively, if you have ever felt stuck or don't know what to say when somebody approaches you about a collaboration, here are three get out of collaboration free sentences. Number one, thank you for thinking of me. I'm at capacity with collaborations right now. When I'm open to working with others, I'd be happy to get in touch with you. That's good. Number two, I'm in a great space working solo right now, but thanks anyways. Number three, send it back to the person asking. I'd be open to collaborating with you if we have some specific goals. What would you hope to achieve by working together? This is, I love that one. That's my favorite one. It really challenges the person on the other side of the conversation to go, why are you saying this? Yeah. Or is this just a blanket statement that you think you're supposed to collaborate with everyone? Yeah. Do you say this to everyone at every event you go to? This is a great way of challenging that. The fourth and final way, and I think this is the most challenging for people, but I'm here to give some explicit permission. You can also say, no, thank you, and let it land. Hey, we should do a collaboration. No, thank you. Tell me what you're working on. And that can be the end of it. Uh I have learned that I don't want to be the person who's at every networking event. I don't want to be the person who is collaborating on anything and everything. 
I don't want to be the person who will give away all my time for free to not meet a specific objective or to not have thought about it. So I think when we are thinking about collaborations, it really comes back to why are we doing this and asking that question, why is two better than one? Mm -hmm. What are people actually contributing to the value? Because if it is simply putting two names on an event, two names on a workshop, two names together on a ticket, that's all sizzle, no steak. And we're about steak. I want to be known for steak. Sizzle is not enough. Uh-uh. So on that note, let's uh, let's go over to WWAWD. We gather questions from listeners via Instagram and emails, and each episode answer the question, what would Amanda Wagner do? So this week's question comes from Chantel, who says, two friends of mine keep saying, I need to reach out to this person because we have similar career interests. And she's further along than I am. She's the director of marketing and I work with developing content strategy. Mm -hmm. We work at different companies and have friends in common, so I think we'll get along, but I don't want to offend her or waste her time. Eventually, I'd like to move into a position like hers and want to pick her brain to find out how she got there. What's the best way to go about this? What would Amanda Wagner do? Chantel, I love that you're asking this. And I love that you say, I don't want to offend her or waste her time. The language, pick your brain, gives me some crunchy feelings. I don't love that expression. I don't love it either. And I will say, I am embarrassed to admit that when I first got started in this world, I sent far too many vague, can I pick your brain emails than I'd ever like to admit. Mm. This is an opportunity to use don't ask, don't get responsibly. Again, I caveat that with responsibly because often I think these interactions can go one of two ways. So for somebody in a position like Chantel, you either get caught up in how important this person is and you have some fear and some panic and you put off asking for their time or you reach out and ask to pick their brain and they don't get back to you or they don't want to give you their time and it goes nowhere. So in this case, I will of course advocate for asking for this person's time, but here's how you go about it with etiquette, with grace, and with purpose. So before you consider someone's title or their rank in their business or their bank account, remember that they are human first. So I always encourage people to think human over hierarchy. That said, before you ask to pick someone's brain, consider how can you make it easy for them to say yes? So a couple quick steps here. Number one, I encourage people to skip the back and forth. In your first email correspondence or however you choose to communicate with them, be clear and straightforward about what you are looking for. You will come across as more prepared and serious and unlikely to waste this person's time. Number two, Be really specific about what you want to ask them or learn about so that they can be prepared. The language, I want to pick your brain, is incredibly vague and gives lots of people the no feeling. In that same sentence, I always say, set a time. So for example, I'd like to meet you for 45 minutes. I'd like to meet you for one hour to talk about X, Y, Z, or to ask you A, B, C. Be really specific. That's a great idea. Number three, offer to meet them near their space. So if they have an office in the center of the city, offer to meet them at a coffee shop near them. 
find a space that makes the sense for them. Remember that they are doing you a favor and you are asking for their time. So the least you can do is come to them. Number four is consider what you can offer. How can you make this a reciprocal relationship in some way, or at the very least, pay for the coffee? Mm, yeah, definitely pay for the coffee. Always pay for the coffee. Yeah. Number five is send a thank you. If this person gives you their time, send a thank you. And I always encourage people to include something that was valuable or impactful from the meeting. Prove that you did some listening. Prove that you took something from the conversation. Because when people give you their time, they want to know that you got something from it. So I, for better or for worse, in a presentation I gave to a group of entrepreneurs in our province, said, I don't do shit for a $4 coffee. And what that meant is, when I get a vague email that says, can I buy you coffee and pick your brain? The reason I say no is because people aren't specific. Mm -hmm. They want to know something. I want to know what they want to know. And that's not because my time is so much more valuable than anybody else's. But it's because I want to make sure that I can provide value to this person. So if I need to do any research ahead of time, if I need to prepare ahead of time, I want to make sure that I can do it. Yeah, if you want to come forward with specific examples from your experience, those are sometimes tough to come up with off of the top of your head. Absolutely. So if you can put in a little bit of time to have that prep, that makes it way more meaningful for the person on the other end. For sure. And nobody ever wants to be caught off guard. Uh, Coach Jenny has a friend who says, similarly, I don't do shit for a $4 coffee, but you can buy me dinner and I will pick the place, <laughs> which is something that, that I would like to test out. And it's not because I'm an asshole. It's not because I need somebody to buy me dinner, but I do know that to have a meaningful conversation, it's going to take us an hour. So let's enjoy. Yes. Let's take some time. Let's actually get to know each other and come with specific things that you want to know. So Chantel, I hope that these five steps help you use don't ask, don't get responsibly. Get the most out of that meeting for you while ensuring that you come off as a professional and have complete respect for other people's time, experience, and expertise. That is the end of episode six. Please look us up at the Amanda Wagner on Instagram and tell us how you make the most out of collaborations so that we can admire and learn from your wisdom so that we don't get stuck in more collaborations that suck. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on episode six. And because we live by don't ask, don't get, we're asking you to follow along with us on social media at the Amanda Wagner, sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com and share this episode with a friend. And of course, if you love the podcast, please leave us a review. We will have a new episode in two weeks time. Until then, we will see you on the internet.